Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. David Inside Sports is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. Uh, when you talk about the world of sports, there are, there are insiders and then there are insiders and then there are gurus. Uh, and a guru would be Chris Landry from chrislandryfootball.com. He's a he knows what's going on in the world of professional football, in the world of college football. He joins me now. Chris, uh, through all of the pandemic, through all of the things we're hearing as it relates to protests and throughout the country, and we tried to divert uh, all the, the realism into what may or may not be in the world of sports. And, and certainly the NFL uh, has their schedule in place beginning uh, on the 10th of September when Houston visits Kansas City, which is an interesting matchup. But having said that, uh, as you look at the the players in the NFL that are going to have to probably play in front of an empty stadium, uh, we haven't had we have nothing to draw from. There's no precedence. What do you expect all of this to turn into? The honest answer is I don't know. I'm like everybody else that's going to be curious. You know, it's, I think we're so. Um, at least I am, you know, hopeful that we get a season and we can play it. I think once we see it, it's look, it's let's call it what it is. It's going to look, sound, feel different than any other season. Um, it's certainly if it's going to be no fans, it's going to be limited fans, and it's going to have an effect. It's certainly going to have a different feel to it. Um, and I think it's, you know, uh, uh, something that everybody's trying to work through with their different uh, health organizations statewide and in concert with, you know, everybody has uh, in the NFL. Certainly you've got medical advisors that are looking and you combine that, that goes down to the medical staffs and uh, the, the tutorials of what they expect the players to do. There have been a lot of discussions about do you basically quarantine the players? Is that realistic? Do you need to do that? What you do if there's an outbreak? Um, you know, like, for example, in Texas, there's a big outbreak. Well, the Texans and the Cowboys have had some recent positive tests. Well, 14-day quarantine is one thing right now. 
that happens in September, it's a bigger issue. That's two games, perhaps, than a key player. So it could have a tremendous impact on the season and who's really good and who's not. Because if you are vacating six or eight players on a given week, that's a pretty big issue. And, um, you know, it could have a, a deleterious effect on the season and teams. I think what right now everybody's focusing in on is, look, the most recent information, and we got it up on LandryFootball.com yesterday, that the league says, look, July 28th is going to be when you can report for training camp, which is going to be the first contact with players on the field. Now, for the Cowboys and the Steelers, it would be July 22nd, and for the Chiefs, uh, Texans, which you mentioned, it would be the 25th, because that basically backs that they start the season a little bit earlier. So if there's any delays in that, then we might have to push back the start and maybe even the possibility of of cutting off two preseason games is at least in discussion because if the decision is we need more time to coach and develop these players but had a true offseason, we might need that in lieu of two games where you can't really script out the things that you want because even though it's preseason, it is a game. So a lot of up in the air, and I, I don't know how it's going to look, but it's going to be quite challenging. And I think it's going to be difficult for teams that have new coaching staffs in particular, young players, you know, even free agent, you know, guys that come in. A lot of adjustments without an offseason. You know, you look at the finished product, it's like looking at a meal in a restaurant. You don't know what goes into making it taste good, but, you know, I think the fact that we've had just virtual off-seasons, it's not the same, and it's going to be interesting to see how, how the meal tastes once the season starts. Well, let me ask you specifically, Chris, <clears throat> about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger comes back. Now, let's, let's face it, he's been away for quite a while. Uh, is what's going on now even put him further behind, or uh, can he catch up? I'm, how do you look at that situation? I think, you know, the one thing with him, it's been the physical issue. I don't think, I mean, it hasn't stopped his rehab, and he's not someone that needs to learn a new offense. So I think he's in better position because, you know, he, again, the learning curve is not missing OTAs is not going to be as big of a deal for him as somebody that's going to learn a new offense. But physically is the whole key for him. Can he, can he last through a season? They can talk all they want about how, you know, um, how much they appreciated what the backups did. The bottom line is they're a contender with Big Ben. They're not without him. So uh, I think it all hinges on his health, and I think he's going to be healthy for the start of the season. Um, and it's just going to be a matter of at this age, is he going to be able to go through the season uh, healthy? Let's transition to Tom Brady. I mean, here's a guy who, who is going to see a new offense, uh, although I don't think it, it's going to be – it's not like it's a new learning curve for him, but no OTAs and, and everything else you outlined. So how does this impact Brady, Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians, and the whole offense? Well, I think it has an effect. Uh, you mentioned Brady's doing everything he can do. He's certainly been in communication um, with Leftwich and certainly Bruce about how they visualize the offense, and, and you can do that virtually. He's taken centers and receivers out to practice fields in Tampa because he's um, 
he's running out Jeter's house, uh, one of Jeter's houses in, <laughs> in Florida. So he's, you know, they're doing some work. So he's doing everything he can. But imagine if you didn't have this uh, pandemic, he would have been every day in with the coaches and he would have been able to do more. So you do what you can do, but I do think it has an effect. There's no question that he could do more and have more of an effect positively if he could have had an offseason and could have had OTAs and could have had time with the entire group. So that, to me, is where it's going to be a little bit different. And I think even for, you know, second-year quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that, again, you know, the reps and the opportunities to learn, it learning un- virtually is fine. It's better than nothing. But being able to develop timing and rhythm and being able to get into the lab that is the practice field, you know, that's been limited um, in, in some cases other than, you know, some receivers and quarterbacks just running routes, which a lot of them are doing. Chris, let's talk about this Bucks uh, offense. And what the, look, in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you've got two 1,000-yard receivers. They've got a group of tight ends that are pretty good as a group. Now, Gronkowski comes in. I'm not terribly interested. In t- we don't know who Gronkowski is. He's been basically away for a year. So we, we don't know what Gronkowski we're going to get. But they're, with Howard and the rest of the tight ends, they're in pretty good shape. Their offensive line is pretty good. Defense pretty good. His Atina won seven games last year, but let's look at it. They lost seven games last year by one score. And Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions. Tom Brady isn't throwing 30 interceptions in four years, let alone one. True. And, you know, I think what's going to be interesting is Bruce Arians likes to go deep, and they've got vertical weapons. Um, so a lot of seven-step drops, Brady going deep. going to be interesting, you know, which people say, well, he doesn't have the arm. Well, the, the deep balls from the pocket really come – from the legs anyway how effective he can be doing going to be interesting i i agree with you you're not going to have the mistakes um winston made big plays he made him for his team and for the opposition so brady is going to change that uh they want to run a lot of 12 personnel so they want to run with a lot of two tight ends so having three in bright howard and crop would give them uh, two to be able to utilize in crop potentially as a big slot. So you could see three tight ends on the field with one in line and two maybe as big slots. Those are an option that they'd like and certainly fits into the mode of what Brady likes to do with the horizontal passing game. So how much of it is going to be, all right, Bruce's vertical element with Brady's penchant for liking to work the tight ends horizontally and the backs out of the backfield. Likely a combination of both. This offense could be pretty good the offensive line was not very good last year but quite frankly uh brady's going to get the ball out a lot quicker of course than winston winston was a slow processor and a lot of those sacks are him holding the ball too long but they've got to play better up front they've got to run the football better because i do think while they can take vertical shots ball controls the key defensively they don't have enough of a pass rush They've got to get better play in the deep middle of their defense. So I think they can be better, no doubt. Uh, but Brady's going to have to help the overall team being 
maybe help them be a little bit more ball possession oriented and be able to, you know, which they really couldn't do. They had to rely on Winston's big plays and capitalize on that because if you made them go, you know, uh, 10, 12 play drive, eventually, you know, Winston was going to turn the football over. So it's going to, I think, be a little bit of a different approach, a different look, but with a lot of talent, uh, they can certainly be a factor. I still think the Saints have the better roster. Uh, Atlanta's got some holes, but they're good. I, I think the Panthers right now are rebuilding. I think the Bucks could potentially be a playoff team. I don't buy the whole, well, they're the team to beat in the division. Mm. They're the team to beat in the NFC. I'm not ready to go there yet. I want to see improvement, and I think we can see that. But you know what? Howard, this is one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna you know you know encapsulate with every team. Do we really know what's gonna happen in this weird season? Again, somebody has a, a rash of these you know test positive tests. I mean, you could take a team that's a Super Bowl favorite. They could be eight and eight like nothing, you know, because now on top of injuries, you're gonna have this. And if you gotta sit out for two games. That's the difference between 12 wins or 10 wins or 10 wins or 8 wins. So, I mean, who's going to be good? Who's not? I mean, tell me who's going to have the healthiest and the best luck from a positive testing. I'm going to start there because I always say, give me of the teams that are playoff caliber. Tell me which ones are the healthiest from Thanksgiving on. And that's the ones I like the most in the playoffs. Um, Now you just double that with you. We don't know what we're going to see in this pandemic. Yeah, not only do I think that the Bucks are not the team to beat in the NFC, um, they don't think they're the team to beat in their division, which you've already laid out, but what about the 49ers? <laughs> I mean, let's not look past them. They were in the Super oh, yeah. Bowl last year. But let, yeah. let, me, let me shift to the, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Here you have the defending Super Bowl champions, uh, and they, they, they have a draft choice that's kind of intriguing, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who uh, Andy Reid likens to Bryant Westbrook. I mean, and he's half of Bryant Westbrook. They've got themselves a find. No doubt. In fact, he, Andy, I talked to Andy about it because I, I know Clyde. I know his family. and Obviously, I'm right here in Baton Rouge. And I talked to Andy prior to draft about him. Andy, this was his quote. And I don't know if he said this publicly. Maybe I'm talking out of school. You know, we talked about that. He told me he's better than Westbrook. Uh, he thinks he's better. Um, and I said, well, let's, let's, you know, hey, I'm not going to, this guy's really good. This guy fits what they want to do. Two things. I mean, I think they could have, you know, I, I talked to him. I, I, I liked him. Also like DeAndre Swift of Georgia. For what they want to do, the two things that they can have, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield is, is well known because that's what they do. The tight end is, is as good as any catching the ball, Kelsey, and they've got a myriad of speedsters all over the field. Now they've got a back that's so good catching the ball out of the backfield and is a pretty good cut blocker, which you have to have if you're going to face a blitz. And, all right, you get a lead, and Andy maybe doesn't run the football as much with a lead as some would like. Now you can run it because you got a lot of space to run it. You, you obviously vacate the box, the defenders you know, are, are spread out. You can run the football, you can run draws, you can run dump passes, which are like run passes, safe passes, high percentage. So now you're able to, again, work this team. I thought they 
turned it up a notch last year, Kansas City. I thought their key to the to turn around to the Super Bowl was quite frankly when Mahomes went down. Their defense had to step up. They had to create an own identity for themselves, and they became a bigger factor. I, I, I think that as explosive as they are, and they definitely win with their offense, the ability to be able to play a little bit more ball control when they have a lead is only going to help their defense so that they don't have to score every time. Because if you do that, sometimes things don't work out. Uh, but I, I like this team. And, you know, I, look, it's a, it's a nice window. Again, we don't know what's going to happen in this year. If they get on the bad side of some of these positive tests, who knows. But you got to love this team. Um, they need to get uh, long-term Chris Jones figured out if they're going to sign him. He's tagged this year. But this team's got a nice window. But they've got some key guys coming up from a salary standpoint. Mahomes is going to get his money. But is there going to be enough for Chris Jones or they're going to have to replace him with a draft pick? I mean, that's going to be the key. Because they don't – listen, they, they won with their offense, but they don't win the Super Bowl if they don't come up with some key stops defensively down the stretch of the season and in the playoffs. I mean, it's as simple as that. They, 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 they were a really good team, and they played good situational defense. Well, they had a little bit of help <clears throat> from – uh, O'Brien in Houston, the 24 to nothing lead, he's going for it on fourth down, and I'm going, what are you doing? I, I just didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. I mean, you got, you got this team down, uh, and, and that opened the door. But let me ask you about That's Mahomes. Right. Let me, or, or, or they, it, it would have been, the storyline would have been one and done in the playoffs. That, that would have yeah. been the storyline yet. You know, we're, we're, we're hailing them as, hey, Super Bowl champs. It's it's absolutely fine line. The thing, what did you think about Patrick Mahomes when he first came into the league, and how have you altered your assessment of him now, and have you ever seen anything like him before? I like his physical skills. I thought he was a project. He is way more advanced than I ever thought he would be. I am so impressed with what Andy Reid has done. Uh, Eric Eric Bannamy does a good job, too, but what they have done as a staff. Um, Kafka and all those guys to get this guy to it, look, a lot of what he does just can't be taught. Um, his ability to throw off those different platforms and to kind of sling it sideways to fit it in is very baseball pitcher like on the mound. I mean, I could just half the time when I'm watching him, I visualize him being on the mound and and I'm you know watching Kent the Colby, you know, or something. It's just just uh, he, he, those things can't be taught. He's still learning the game. They've got a lot of weapons. And look, he extends plays. The ability for Andy Reid to adjust is 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 not, I mean, I think he gets a lot of credit, but he doesn't get enough credit for it. Hey, look, he puts the team in a situation to be successful, and he creates a lot of opportunities to where with the improvisational type plays, You've got routes that work back to the quarterback. You never give up on a route because, you know, if you, the, the offensive line does a good job. But when he gets outside the pocket, he's freelancing. You know, plays that are made down the field really shouldn't be made, and they're not they're, – they're pre-designed, but they're not completely designed. I think his ability to embrace college concepts – is the best that we've seen in the NFL. And he's done that, and he's hired special guys that have run the pistol and run different things that he's implemented 
that's why they're successful. Lots of talent, lots of adjustments and creativity by Andy Reid. Uh, but Mahomes is better than I thought, probably better than anybody thought, probably better than Andy thought, and he moved up in the first round to get him. So enough said there. I, you know, I've never looked at the schedule and said, uh, oh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I, I remember my Monday Night Football partner, Matt Mellon, used to say, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And I'm looking at Kansas City's first three games. They host Houston, they go on the road, and they play the Chargers and then the Ravens. All right, so that's a, that's a pretty formidable first three games out of the box. So, And then you look at those three teams and say, well, look who they have to play. But all I'm saying is that Kansas City is the hunted. They're no longer the hunter. I mean, everybody's coming right. after them, you know? No doubt about it. And you just said it. We're talking about them still trying to chase playoff success if Bill O'Brien and the Texans don't help them a little bit. Because you're right. You have that much of a lead. You gotta put. You gotta give credit for Kansas City for fighting and the fact that you can't hold down their offense forever. They they'll find answers, but they can't make that comeback complete if the Texans just don't you know completely collapse. So you're right. It, it, it's it's going to be a challenge. Will that defense step up uh, again? Because I do think. Um, that's an important factor. I think just outscoring people every week uh, is probably going to have you fall short of a Super Bowl. It will get you a division. It may get you a win in the playoffs, but likely not all the way. So I agree with you. Um, it, 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 throwing out the whole pandemic issue of where, again, we don't know what's going to happen to anybody. I think it's, you know, look, we don't see teams repeat in the league for a reason. And I think it's going to be very difficult. And I think you're going to have challengers. Um, you know, we forget that the team that had the best record last year in the AFC was bounced out of the playoffs pretty quickly, Baltimore. What yep. is Baltimore going to do? We talked about Pittsburgh, how much better they're going to be. Um, can anybody challenge the Chiefs in the division? Um, in the South, is anybody going to emerge? Can can maybe the Colts get a little bit better with the Pre- I You know, a lot of questions that we just don't have the answers to. Um that we're gonna we're gonna find out, but obviously with New England maybe down a peg, uh, it's maybe a little bit more wide open in the AFC than we've seen. I'm gonna run down a list of names before you comment. I'll tell you why. Here are the names: Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, Arch Schleister, Todd Marinovich, Heath Schuler, Rick Myra, Andre Ware, Achilles Smith, Todd Blackledge, David Klingler, Tim Couch, Vince Young, and Jeff George. They all have one thing in common. They were all busts. They were high draft choices. And so that throws a hole into, you know, and you see this. Every year after the draft, the next day, every newspaper in America has got, I give this team an A, this team a B plus, yada, yada, yada. How do you know what these guys are going to do until you're two and three years down the road? Correct. Correct. That's that's when you can evaluate. That's the byproduct of instantaneous information. What you've done for years, talk radio. You got to have something up. Hey, who had the best draft? Howard? Well, again, <laughs> the honest answer is check in three years. That's the real answer, uh, and that's why I don't really give grades. And at Landry Football, we break down how we think those things are going to play out. But who's going to be coaching these players? I mean, you're going to have coordinator changes, you know, over and over again. Uh, the guy that's probably the most talented may end up being the least effective because of that. 
Uh, I think stability and good coaching and development goes hand-in-hand with player evaluation. So all of those guys have things in common because they're a bust. But if you take them individually, we don't have time to go through all of them, of course. But but some were not hard workers. Some were not great character guys. Some were very good character guys that were misevaluated. Some weren't in great situations. They all have a different story about why they weren't successful. In a case like a guy like Rick Meyer, he was rookie of the year in this league. Then, you know, things caught up to him, and he couldn't quite develop. And the great Bill Walsh thought he could be the next great one, you know, and it, it just it didn't happen. All different reasons for it. So it, it just to punctuate what you said, it not only takes time to see it, but it is also it, it, it is like like Parcells said you, you, you know you know Parcells and been around him a bunch. I think the best analogy is buying groceries and cooking the meal. Uh, the groceries are essential, but cooking the meal has a big deal to do with it. So where that ends and where it begins is kind of murky because good organizations draft well and develop well. Teams that struggle that pick high every year sometimes draft pretty well, but because they try to develop players and then in two years they change coordinators or head coaches, all of a sudden they don't like those guys and what they taught, those guys are starting over again. And all of a sudden these guys are bust. Well, maybe they're not bust, but they're not ideal fits and maybe it's coaching. And so you go into that quite a bit, and that's why you've had teams that have struggled and struggled and and struggle because they can't create any stability within their organizations and the good ones that do it that stay the course all of a sudden those guys that may not be big hits the first couple of years start to develop and become really good players when people are counting them as buffs in year one or year two as you said year three all of a sudden they're really good players and then Year three, the guy that was great after year one is suddenly, you know, the Rick Myers, the Ryan Leafs become bust later. So bump the brakes, be patient. But Howard, nobody has patience today. We, we no. need to know now how everything's going to be, right? No, no, we're in a microwave society. I understand that. Of all the guys I just mentioned, the busts, the one, nothing shocks me. But the one that really surprised me that he wasn't a bigger hit was Vince Young. Third overall pick in 06. That really surprised me. I thought he was going to be a star in the league. Could have been. Wasn't a real good worker. A little bit of an attitude. Very much a prima donna. Very entitled. That's the story there. Mm. Um, he just, he could have been great. Just, you know, didn't work as hard on it as you need to. Which is why the intangibles are important for every player for the quarterback position. It, it is essential. I always, when I'm doing my scouting work for teams, I always say, for every player, but particularly for quarterbacks, what is the capacity for the player to learn? What's the willingness to learn? So basically it's how smart is he, how much can he learn, and then how committed is he to doing it? That's the key. The reason why... Uh, and again, I don't know if he's going to be successful because you don't know what the team's going to do with him. But Joe Burrow, guy's a gym rat, loves the game, can't get enough of it, constantly studying it. You know, Jamarcus Russell, same school, first overall pick. Guy was lazy, um, didn't keep himself in good shape, uh, didn't study, didn't work. 
he was a bus waiting to happen, and I told Bruce Kebrick and late Al Davis, you're going to regret this, because I knew the kid from growing up in Mobile and the whole time at LSU. It was an easy decision for me, but they got suckered in due to the physical qualification. So a lot of that is, you know, some of those guys fit into that category. Others just maybe are not as talented as people think, and maybe so their ability, their upside ability to grow and get better is limited. So, you know, you have you have quite a bit of all of them, and then you have some that just are not developed all that well. I think that has an effect. All right, you mentioned Joe Burrow. That gives me a running start into the next area, and that is this past draft. And Burrow, it would seem, will be the starting quarterback of Cincinnati from day one. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's it's a guess on my part. The more intriguing quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa in Miami. Um, and we all know the concerns, the health concerns that everybody had. Uh, but I'm going to go positive and say he's going to be healthy. And a healthy Tua uh, gives the Miami Dolphins a, a, a fighter's chance. I think the guy could be outstanding in the NFL, but there's always, every time he has the ball in his hands, you know the coaching staff's going to be on the sidelines with their fingers crossed. Yeah, um, here's what I can tell you, and, you know, in speaking with him, they're not going to hold him back. He's cleared medically, and let's go under that assumption as, as you constituted. Um, if he's the most ready, like, it's, and again, he falls into that category, as does Burrow. They can't be in the facility. You know, they can do certain things virtually. That's going to hurt their ability to have as much effect early. I'm not saying they're not going to be effective. I'm just saying it. They're, they're hurdles that would not normally exist in a normal work environment. I think they don't hold back to it. Now, in the situation in Miami, if they feel like we'd like to give them a little bit more time because of what I just mentioned – they can go with Fitz. Uh, they might even throw a start or two for Josh Rowe. I mean, they can do – they've got options where Cincinnati doesn't have quite the options that they're comfortable with. But, listen, two is the future. I don't know when the future is going to start. It might be week one. It might be during the middle of the season. And it will depend on health, and it will depend on his readiness to absorb everything. Um, I think Burrow's a little bit ahead in that department because there are things that I think he does – that is a little bit more advanced in terms of his studying of the game. But I think Tua is a great worker. I think he's a great leader. And I'm encouraged by what the Dolphins have in him. And I hope and pray that he can stay healthy because there is something that concerns me about his body frame that I worry about if he's long for the NFL. We protect the quarterbacks a great deal, as you know, Howard, in this league. So... You know, if it can happen, it can happen. I, I you know, I've said and, and I've known Nick for years. One, one guy that I've encouraged for two of the study is Russell Wilson because nobody runs the ball better from the quarterback position and avoids hits better than Russell Wilson. He has the uncanny ability to see it and get it and I think it's his baseball background as sliding it's, he's just really good at it Tua is going to need to learn that because getting hit getting outside the pocket where he's kind of pulled down and stuff th- those things would concern me because he's not made it through a season healthy in college 
and you got a longer season in the NFL. So I think it's a legitimate concern. Chris Landry, ChrisLandryFootball.com. Four of the top 15 picks were from the University of Alabama. Uh, I watched them a lot last year. I was very impressed with Jerry Judy in terms of his pass, his route running. Uh, for a guy in college to be that proficient as a route runner took me by surprise. I was a little surprised that Ruggs went before Judy, but then again, this is the Raiders, and the Raiders forever and a day since the days of Al Davis always went for speed. No doubt, a little bit faster, a little bit more explosive. Uh, you're seeing, they look at him and they say this could be uh, a bigger version and a better version of Tyreek Hill. So when you look at it in that regard, and, and just, you know, a great slot, it, it just, I, I got, I had the same grade on both. I, I could go either way with them. I agree with you. Judy's a little bit more polished as a route runner, but Ruggs can really run routes and maybe even a little bit tougher over the middle. I mean, it's a, you know, it's it, they're almost twins in terms of you, you just, you love them both. But speed was the factor where some teams had them higher, and, of course, you mentioned the Raiders did as well. So um, it'll be interesting. Boy, they've got some really good receivers that could have impacts early in their career coming out of this past draft. What about the Cowboys and the drafting of C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma? A lot of people, uh, you know, are proclaiming that this guy might be the steal of the draft. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to say that. You might be, uh, although I doubt that you're going to go that far. I think he's really good. I think it takes time to grow and develop. And, I, you know, I think certainly with Cooper and as this guy can develop, I listen, given a lot of weapons, we know they've got to get a long-term deal done with Dak. They've, they've got some real weapons, and now they can make some plays in the passing game. And with their ability to run it, their offensive line play, uh, and their running back, uh, man, this gives some more favorable matchups. You get you get the safety cheating up a little bit against the run, and you got Coop, and you got um, you know CD Lamb. You, you're and along with some other guys that they have. You you, you really got something there. Well, he's you got, really he, good. I think he's got a lot of polish. Yeah, well, don't forget you got uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who's got a touch of the virus. Uh, and we, we don't know how long he's going to be out. I don't think it's going to be a long period of time, but then again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, we can talk about Burrow. We can talk about Tua. Uh, Justin Herbert uh, with the Chargers. Where do you see him cracking the lineup, uh, early or late? Probably later. Uh, I think they believe to some degree in Tyrod Taylor. Uh, obviously not long-term. I mean, they can say it and all that, but I think Justin is – needs a little bit more work and I think it really depends on how things go. I, I would not see expect to see him on the field early. I would expect that they'd roll out Tyrod Taylor, at least Tyrod's experience. That's probably where they're going to go. Uh, but I do like uh, Justin Herbert's physical skill set. Um, I think he's very, very bright. He doesn't have quite the intangible factor that comes with a burrow or um, a two-up, but you know, I mean, I, you just he's the presence and everything. But let me say this: he didn't have the weaponry in the passing game at Oregon that Alabama and LSU had. So I, I think it's something that uh, it. Uh, I, in fact, I thought it was a good pick there. I think pretty much if you need a quarterback, if you don't take them high, you're not going to get them. And we talked about all the guys that are bust, but 
you know, look at the look at situations that you gotta you gotta figure out in this league. If you don't have a quarterback, you're compelled to find one, and uh, I think they're gonna work and, and and try to develop. Look, I mean, you think about uh, what better case of let's take a guy like Tannehill. I'm you very familiar with that's a guy that played very little football coming in. It was a wide receiver at AM, little experience at quarterback. Didn't make it Miami. Now he's really blossoming because he's had a lot of lot more snaps than he did in the early part. So that goes to the to the point of the early part of the conversation where we talked about patience, development. It, the quarterback's a developmental position. So let's see how well they develop these guys. I think Justin has a lot of things that you look for, but the intangible quality is not quite as good as Burrow or Tua. There's a team out there. We're talking with Chris Landry from ChrisLandryFootball.com. <clears throat> there, there's a team out there that nobody expects anything from, but their general manager went out and addressed what their needs were, and that was offensive line. And they they drafted four offensive linemen. They signed a couple of free agent linemen. And one of the drafted linemen was uh, the 11th overall pick, and that's Mikhail Becton from Louisville, drafted by the Jets. I mean, you look at his size at 6'7", 370 pounds, you know, look at what he did in the 40, etc. And it's intriguing to watch a guy run that fast. But let's be honest, how many offensive linemen run 40 yards during a game? <laughs> Not much. Right. You right. Know? But, but it goes to, to show what his initial quickness is. And when you can come out of your stance that explosive, you can be a dominant run blocker. And the ability to be able to move and, and slide and turn he has those things to potentially be good. He, of the tackles that came out in this draft, and he was the third of the four guys that had really high first-round grades, in my view, he was the guy with the most long-range potential, but he was the rawest of the bunch. You know, he doesn't even, in that offense at Louisville, and Scott Satterfield's done a great job there in just one year, you know, they, they don't even run a pass set. So, you know, it's basically, you don't see him in pass sets, but maybe a dozen times, 16 times, I think I charted in his career. So you got to completely remake a pass set, but you can't teach what he can do. Um, so I understood why guys like Thomas and Wills went higher. Worfs is really good as well, but... Look, Joe Douglas has said we got to fix that offensive line. They addressed it. They addressed it in numbers. Um, and I think they've got themselves a, a really a potentially good one. But, no, let's caution. And we know fans, and particularly New York fans, you're well clued into it. You know, if he's not an all-pro in his first year, he's a bust. This is not a guy that he can come in and from a physical standpoint, he can do things physically that not a handful of guys in the NFL currently can do. Freakish, freakish athlete. Just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But very, very raw. So he's going to get spun around like a top. That is a developmental position, no doubt, as well on the offensive line. So he's going to need some work. I think he's a good kid. I think he's going to work hard. So I think he'll be fine. But let's, let's not expect him to, as, as what, what Bill will always say, let's not put him in candy yet. He hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, and you look at the wide receiver core there. Yeah, they lose Robbie Anderson. Okay, Robbie Anderson is a good receiver. But come on, Chris, does he make you remember Jerry Rice? I mean, the guy's a good receiver, but we're talking about a guy that that is okay 
look, Perryman had who they got who had a, a, the last five weeks of the season. He was outstanding. So they got him. They got Denzel Mims that they drafted. You got Crowder in that mix. They've got some good tight ends. Uh, if that offensive line and, and a lot of there's a lot to if, you know, if ifs and ands or pots and pans, the world would be a kitchen. But the <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is is that Darnold, if he can stay upright, I watched a lot of games last year where he was running for his life. It seemed like every other play. If, That's if, right. If he's not, if he's able to 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 sit and, and survey the field, I think the guy can be a top-notch quarterback, and I think that they may surprise some people. I agree. I think he, Cannon will be a top-notch quarterback if they do a good job around him, and, and I have confidence in Joe, and they've not had a lot of success putting things together in, in the Jets organization. I get that, but I do believe in Joe's football acumen, and let's see what they're able to do. I think they've got something that a lot of people are, well, every year trying to find. They've got a quarterback. I think the offensive line is important. I agree with you. What you just discussed with, you know, the moves that they made or did make is is free agency. You know, are you going to overpay for a player? Um, You've got to be careful with that, which is why they've got to hit it in the draft. Mims, and we've got a history of Baylor guys that don't really run good routes. Uh, He's going to have to be a a guy that really makes it and helps them because they need to protect Arnold better and they need to have guys that can get open and make plays. And they haven't had that. And they had a winning record when Sam Arnold started games. So let's, you, I agree with you. Uh, I don't know that they, in fact, I don't think they have the roster that Buffalo has. But, you know, I think they are getting better. And, and keep Arnold healthy. Uh, continue to build around them, I think they've got something going there. So we'll see. They're going to need Becton and Mims. It's not saying much, but they're going to need Becton and Mims to really hit and really be big-time players because without that, they could be in a little bit of trouble. And I thought the rest of their draft was pretty solid as well. The educated eye of Chris Landry looked down the first round of the NFL draft. Who jumps off the page that you're curious about how they're going to make the transition into the pros. I'm really curious to see how Arizona uses Isaiah Simmons. Uh, talk about another freak of nature. I think you got to embrace the versatility that he brings. I think it's fine to play him at Will Backer and teach him that, but you got to put him in different spots. He is an impact three-down linebacker that can rush, that can blitz, that can pursue, and is a elite emphasis on E-L-I-T-E capital letters coverage guy which is something I mean he can cover like a safety Howard and he's built like a linebacker in today's game when we're trying to look at who's going to cover Gronk, who's going to tr- cover Kittle, who's going to trouble Kelsey Isaiah Simmons is the guy you draw up in the lab and say that's a guy that is the, the, the tight end you know uh, uh, answer to covering the tight end type guy so i'm curious to see what he can do um there are a number of other guys i think i think javon kinlaw can help the niners out mm-hmm. i'm curious to see what denver does with judy uh, i think those things are, are, are really key uh the eagles i'm curious to see tough news for them losing brandon brooks this week uh but see what jalen rager can can add to to their uh, to the mix, I think Patrick Queen can help out the Ravens this year. 
So there are a number of guys. Those are some guys. And, of course, we already talked about one, I think, Clyde Edwards Alaire in Kansas City. Those are all intriguing guys. Chase Young can have an early impact. Uh, Detroit drafted Jeff Okuda to come in and play right away. They lose Darius Slay. He's got to do be that. And, and I'm curious to see what Burrow can do early. So there, there are a number of guys, but those are some guys that, that, that jump off. In addition to some of the guys we've already talked about, C.D. Lamb and Mackay Beckton and Henry Ruggs, uh, th- those are some guys that jump out at me. Uh, we, were, we are reminded with the drafting of Jordan Love by Green Bay, uh, and all of a sudden, everybody's shoveling dirt on Aaron Rodgers. Not so fast. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you remember how long he sat behind Brett Favre. Uh, I, I don't know what the timetable is for Aaron Rodgers. They won 13 games last year. Are we ready to bury this guy? No, um, but I can tell you, the moves basically, I, I can tell you, I, I have a pretty good feel for what they're trying to do. They want Aaron. They recognize that Aaron Rodgers is still great, but they recognize that the only time they've ever won a title was when they their defense is pretty good and they had a good pass rush. So I think what they're trying to convince Aaron Rodgers is, okay, what is it about for you? Do you want to run your offense and you want to, you know, be the guy that throws for a million yards and we win thirteen games, but we can't get it done in the playoffs, or do you want? Do you want to have a greater emphasis on the running game to complement the pass game so that we can protect leads better and build a defense to where we can get stops? I think that's a fair question, and it's probably the biggest difference why Tom Brady's got a bunch of Super Bowls and Aaron Rodgers got one. Because Aaron Rodgers certainly is, you know, for the people look at it and say, well, that's the only thing he's got. True. So the only thing that really makes the, the Packers a contender is Aaron Rodgers. So how do you do it? Do you Now that something, and I agree, I think getting them more weapons is, I thought they was something they would do this year. They haven't done that. I think this is from the, from the, the initial time that Matt got there. It's been, look, we want to do something a little different. We, we, we want you to do, be you, but we want you to play under a little bit more structure to where we have a better team. So it's not just about outscoring people, because I think that's the difference. I don't know how that's going to play out. And I think drafting Jordan Love is, you know, maybe insurance. Mm. It tells me that, you know, we'll see down the road. If Aaron buys in, fine. If he doesn't, I don't know. That may need, that'll, that'll be interesting to see. I, 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 I think I think some of the similar things are applicable. If Jordan Love becomes really good and Aaron Rodgers moves on, I, I agree with you. Aaron Rodgers has got a number of years, and if he buys in, I don't know how Jordan Love hits the field before you know they even know what he is. Because this guy is backing up Aaron Rodgers for four years. If Aaron Rodgers is there, but if Aaron Rodgers doesn't buy in, what does it say? Will they be willing to move him? I mean. We've seen stranger things happen. Stay tuned on that. I'm not quite sure that that final chapter is written there about what they're doing and, and how they're trying to do it behind the scenes in Green Bay. No, I like what you said about love as an insurance policy. I agree completely. Mike McCarthy, now in Dallas, succeeding Jason Garrett. Um, I thought to some people that I knew uh, with the Giants, I said, you got to go out and hire McCarthy. You just have to. And, and they didn't. Um, and it's not I'm questioning uh, the hiring uh, of Judge. I'm not questioning that at all. 
But I think that the Dallas Cowboys, uh, right? They haven't won it. They haven't been to a Super Bowl in 25 years. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones is chomping at the bit. He wants to get to the Super Bowl. Can they get there with this crowd? I don't know. Time's going to tell. But I like the addition of McCarthy. I think he's a proven commodity. He is. He's won a lot of games. Uh, here's the other thing that I like. He sat out and productively sat out. He has really studied the game. I think sometimes when you can take a step back, I know, I know this because a lot of people, you know, when I do my consulting work, I'll say, well, what, what is it that I can provide that you're not getting? Well, a lot of it is you're so in a myopic view of what you're doing that you don't get a chance to step back and study as much about what other people are doing and how they do it. Well, Mike has had the ability to do that, yet he hasn't been out very long where he's out of touch. He's a good coach. Um, you know, I think they'll listen to him. I think he'll, you know, he'll be able to, I, I think, do good things with Dak. And I think he'll do good things with that offense. And I think he's done a pretty good job with his staff in the past. So all those things, you know, are real positive. I, I look at them in that division with this offseason. Redskins are still rebuilding. You mentioned the Giants. They've got some roster issues. And the Eagles have got some. It's Dallas clearly has the best roster in that division. Um, so we'll see what they can do with it and, uh, you know, how much further they can advance if, if, if they do it all. Because I do think um, they, they certainly underachieved, and, and Mike certainly has some background that would suggest that he can get more out of this team. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think the Giants made a good move getting Jason Garrett to be their offensive coordinator. That brings him back home to New Jersey. His mother's still there. Uh, his family is all still there. Uh, I didn't realize till I spoke to Jason the other day uh, that his brother John's coaching at Lafayette. I, I did not know. Th- I did not know that. Yeah, I know. Um, of course, I know them real well. Jim is uh, his late dad is just a just a great, one of the great people, and spent many days on the road scouting with him. And of course, um, as you mentioned, they all grew up in Jersey and. And their front lawn used to have little, like almost little camps with the, all the, the local kids. And yeah. Some of you know, and just uh, and you know, Jason's been around the game a long time, and John's his brother's been around a long time. So they've they've been the, a family of football, and um, I do think that you know to some degree what he does best. I think he has good offensive concepts. I think look, that's a tough place to coach. I think that, you know, Jason's such a nice guy that he kind of dealt with some of the stuff and he didn't put his foot down probably in certain cases where he should have in Dallas. And, you know, you got to do that. I think Mike's going to be willing to do that because um, I think the biggest problem that they have is, you know, in the ownership and the involvement and some of the circus atmosphere that you have to deal with um, in, in you know, Jason did whatever you, you got to deal with that as the head coach. But, you know, I think maybe you sometimes can maybe control that a little bit better. Mike needs to control that better or else he's going to find a similar fate. Jason is probably best as a play caller. But when you're the head coach and you that was a little bit too much, it wasn't ideal. So I think his situation, certainly his head coaching experience and play calling ability, I think will serve the Giants well. Uh, I just don't know if the roster is good enough to, to get it done yet. Yeah, I started my career doing Princeton's football and basketball games. 
Uh, and then a couple of years into my time there, uh, the Garrett brothers, all three, showed up after transferring from Columbia. And they and what you said before about Jim Garrett running this camp, I mean, all of their friends would, and he would charge them nothing. And they would go to this camp, and I mean, they're learning from a guy who understands at the highest level, and they got themselves some education. So I'm looking at Jason, seeing you know what he brings to the table. I mean, I can, I mean, back when he was a quarterback at Princeton, I mean, they ran it. They they ran a sophisticated offense that the Ivy League had not seen before. Yeah, no, I look. He's he's really bright, and I know he's taken a beating. You know, by Dallas fans and what I know, rightly so. The head coaching record, the underachieving, all, yeah, had plenty of time. But I, I do think the the change of pace is probably good for Dallas from a head coaching position. But I do think that um, the whole thought of well, the guy can't coach. I, I think the guy's a really good coach. Yep. And again, I think he'll 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 help the Giants for. Well, what it is that they have to try to get done there, and it's a little bit different, you know, again, with their roster. But I think he'll do a nice job there. Let's uh, let's take a sneak peek into going forward. We don't know how it's going to affect, you know, what's going on now with the virus, how it's going to affect college football. But uh, I jotted down some names, one, two, three, four, five quarterbacks uh, that are playing in college football this season. Uh, there's Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State, uh, Trey uh, Lance from North Dakota State, Brock Purdy from Iowa State, and Jamie Newman from Georgia. Of those five, uh, who do you give the highest marks to early on? Maybe it's a bit premature. Well, Trevor Lawrence is clearly the most gifted and I think is going to be really, really good. Uh, and I think there's a big drop-off. I think Justin Fields is still a work in progress, but he's got a lot of ability. Um, Trey Lance is intriguing, but, again, ways to go. Um, I think Brock Purdy can be solid. I think Newman could take a step up. But I think it's I think it's a little bit different right now. I think right now, and it, it's, it's usually this way this time, I mean, here, because these guys are younger and younger coming out, Howard. So it's like, you know, they've got less snaps to this point than you'd normally see guys. Yeah. But Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, if he could have come out last year's draft, he'd been in competition for the number. I mean, he's just, he's big, he's athletic, he's got poise. Um, I mean, he's got leadership skills that are beyond his years. Um, he's the first pick in the draft, and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much a slam dunk barring anything catastrophic. Um, and I, I think it's just about a wait and see with the rest of those guys. So, uh, look, it's going to be interesting to see who ends up uh, because it's it's going to be, you know, um, likely somebody that's in the quarterback shopping business, I would think. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I think they're, they're getting what is perceived to be the next super. We're, we're talking about a guy that's kind of in the – you know, maybe the Andrew Luck type of category with even more natural physical skills. So, okay. Um, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think it's really, really special. Um, back in the day, I broadcast Miami Dolphins football uh, <laughs> during Dave Wonstadt's time. They weren't really very good. They were, they were okay. They weren't terrible. But, uh, you know, Jay Fiedler did as best he could under the situation. But there was a defensive back that played there by the name of Patrick Sertan. 
his son, his son now played for Alabama uh, at what's supposed to be uh, the great bloodlines. Uh, he looks like the real deal. He is, and uh, boy, you're going back because I remember when Patrick Sr. came out of high school and went to Southern Miss and knew his dad real well and um, getting older when, when the kids are coming through the pipeline, he's really really good Howard uh, Patrick Jr. is one of the elite players in this draft I think is the top corner well Stingley from LSU is not going to be eligible next year's draft he's going to be a true sophomore but Patrick's just outstanding um, and I think he's going to be a really high pick he's definitely in that Akuda you know type top certainly top 10 caliber player so um you know, I'm, I'm really excited about what he can be. There's a, a going to be another, you know, good group of of corners, uh, but he leads the list, no question about among the best corners. I think Ohio State's got another one as well that's going to be good. And Sean Wade, there's a kid in South Carolina, Makuma, that's really good. Uh, Tyson Campbell, Georgia's good. Caden Stearns of Texas, um, you know, but Sertan is really, really good and an elite caliber corner. What about Jamar Chase, wide receiver from LSU? Oh, I think he's uh, the best receiver that's coming. He and Jalen Waddle um, are going to be the top two receivers in next year's draft, and regardless what the order. Unfortunately, Justin Ross of Clemson has got an injury; he's lost for the season. Um, Rondell Moore produced a really good slot guy, but Chase is big, strong-handed guy that uh, can make plays, high point the ball, and he's got good speed. He's He's a really, really special. Uh, don't have Joe Burrow throwing to him this year, but um, he's certainly going to go high, I think. Do you have a sleep? Not, not as much as I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, you've got this incredible wealth of knowledge about football, both pro and college, and, and, and uh, prospects coming up. Uh, it's amazing that you can keep your hand on this many players, but you know that's what you do for a living. So, and you do it extremely yeah, well. But one of the things I try to do is, you know, I study guys in recruiting, and so on LandryFootball.com we've got recruiting boards. So, you know, I know these guys coming in. I study them through college, and I've studied them through their pro career. So, it's it's the reason you know to do it, and I stay on top of it as as best I can. And so. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a labor of love. It's it's what I do. It's all I do, and certainly uh, we're we're trying to grow things at LandryFootball.com to kind of peel back the onion to where people can can see the game from a scouting and coaching viewpoint. So yeah, we we certainly uh, do a lot of uh, a lot of film work and studying of players. For eight years, <clears throat> did Sunday night football with Pat Hayden, and after eight years of working with Pat, my vocabulary had improved quite a bit because Pat's a road scholar. So I figured, yes. I figured my vocabulary got better. I do a better job with crosswords. After talking to you, my, I feel like I know a lot more than when they started this interview. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because uh, certainly your vocabulary is not going to grow by listening to me. Glad <laughs> <laughs> I could provide something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, I appreciate your time. Uh, as always, it's great talking to you. But the most importantly, stay safe. Have a good day, Chris. Thank you. He is Chris Landry, the most knowledgeable, clearly the most knowledgeable football guy there is. 
I mean, pro, you heard him. I mean, the guy's amazing. He, he's got this incredible grasp of the game. You ask him, Joe Blow, and he's got all this information. And I'm just kidding, the guy doesn't sleep. I mean, he's like a, he's a walking encyclopedia of football, both college and pro. And if he tells you something, take it to the bank. I mean, just take it to the bank. It, it's incredible to me uh, what the guy knows. But like he said, it's a labor of love. It's something he knows. It's something he's been doing for a very long time. And, you know, he's, he's good at it. And he's <laughs> got incredible grasp of the, of the whole situation. So, you know, it's, <laughs> you, you say to yourself, well, what in the world can you possibly know that you didn't know before about football? You listen to Chris Landry, and you're going to learn a heck of a lot, and you're going to learn it very quickly. And to close out the show, a friendly reminder that Howard David Inside Sports is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code MYPOD100, and they'll match your first deposit up to $1,000. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.